0: Children can be dismissed for Children's Church. Uh, The rest of you can turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. Because he is risen, right? And we get to celebrate that this morning. I hope you've been encouraged already through the word that has been shared, through the stories that have been told, through the fellowship of God's word, uh, God's people together. It's good to be together. As we look at Mark chapter eleven, Jesus is going to. uh, We don't we don't quite get this sometimes because we don't emphasize this in the story as much. But after the triumphal entry, right, Jesus enters into a series of confrontations with the Jewish leaders, in particular, over how the temple should be used, what what it really means to worship God whose authority he has to say these things and to do these things. And to give you a little a picture of this, if you will, because we're talking about especially access to God. Um, when I was growing up, uh, we watched television more in the sense of not streaming YouTube or something like that. And therefore, we watched the same ads over and over again, right? That's just the way I grew up, for those of you who are... 18 and younger, you won't get this really, but uh, I understand that. So, uh, so the ads that were on at this time of year were all about Adventureland, right? You'd have uh, I can still sing the jingle today, right? Come on over to Adventureland, right? And uh, it'd be about this fun-filled day that you were going to have, okay? And it was going to be awesome and great if you could afford to go there. And that was always the thing that was in the back of my head was, I know I can't afford to go there and have the fun-filled day that everyone else seems to be having, right? And that sense of, of, uh, of being on the outside of that, being just, have you ever had a, a place in mind where, um, where you're like, I, I want access to that, but I can't afford it. I can't get there. Something's blocking me from getting there. If you're a college student, maybe you would think about that university that you wish you could have gone to if you could have afforded it, but you can't afford that, and that's why you're at Iowa State or DMac, right? Uh, and so, you know, that, that sense of, oh, I wish I could go there. This, 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 this Mecca, this promised land, this, this, this place that seems great and awesome if I could just go there, but I can't afford to. And as we find the story here in Mark chapter 11, that's the situation that's going on, okay? Just to give you a, a little piece here of, of the, the temple and uh, back it up here. So this is, if I go back, this is it going to let me go back? There you go. It's just slow. Uh, now I've got to catch up with myself. There we go. Okay. This is, this is the Temple Mount now, okay? This is the Temple Mount now, the Dome of the Rock is here, but then, so this is what it was in Herod's day, or at least the best reconstructions of it, again, if it would just go forward, it takes a minute, probably because of the graphics, or not, it's going to freeze on me, isn't it, can you go make it, there we go, okay, uh, so you can see, see, uh, this is the temple that Herod built, in Jesus' day, it wasn't even fully completed, okay, and, but this is, this is a huge area here, all in stone, not in, and, um, and people would come from all over to this. I, I, an analogy, okay, what if, you know, we wanted to celebrate Independence Day, the 4th of July as Americans, okay, but the only place that we could get fireworks was Washington, D.C., okay, Washington, D.C., so you had to go there to buy the fireworks. And when you got there, it'd be kind of this is maybe a little bit more of a different kind of shows you showing you the areas of the temple. Again, can you guys advance it? Because mine doesn't seem to be working. Maybe my batteries are bad, but okay. So you have the, again this temple area here, but the and then the the bigger area around it. And in this, on both sides, it's what's called the Gentiles' courtyard. That is, Gentiles could get so far in, but they couldn't get in to the middle area. Women could get into this area here, and then men could get in around it, but then only priests could get into the gold-covered building. And it was all about controlled access. And so, uh, it, if you came there, imagine, if you will, that you are, you, you've made this decision, I'm going to travel to Washington, D.C., and I am going to finally celebrate the 4th of July like it's supposed to be celebrated, buy fireworks and have fun, right? And instead, when you get there to buy the fireworks, there's some crazy guy shutting the whole place down, not letting anyone buy anything. And saying that this is the wrong thing to do and how to celebrate the 4th of July. How would you respond? What would you do? Because Jesus doesn't just do it once here. He's done it before at the beginning of his ministry. And at Passover when the Jews come together, he's already shut the temple grounds down before and said, stop doing this. So notice what it says here, Mark chapter 11, okay? Um, On the second day, so the day after the triumphal entry... It says in verse 15, they came to Jerusalem and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who brought, bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he's not, again, he's not talking about this area here. He's talking about out here because what was going on was to offer a sacrifice. What they had set up was, they're like, you can't use... Roman currency, you can't use Greek currency to, to make sacrifices and to buy buy these holy animals. You have to use temple currency. And so you would have to exchange your money for temple money in order to buy the sacrifice and then make and then if you were a Gentile, you just had to give it to somebody and they would go in and make the sacrifice for you. Okay. And of course, this isn't just, you know, temple money's not free. The exchange rate was horrible, okay? So it's basically a racket that makes the priests a lot of money. I don't know. I don't know. Even Iowa State, Iowa, in Ames, or in Iowa City, does not compare to the money they're going to receive during Passover week, okay? They, They would make tons of money on this week, and Jesus, at the start of the week shuts it all down. Can you imagine it? One guy tossing tables, getting a whip, driving out the animals, yelling at the money changers, get out, right? And what he, why is he doing it? What is going on? Verse 17, he was teaching them and saying to them, it is, is it not written my house should be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. So why is Jesus doing this? What's he confronting here? Well, he's confronting two things, if you will. He's saying, first of all, God is not a respecter of persons. You know, even Gentiles, when it talks about the Gentiles courtyard, it's not just any Gentiles. These are already Gentiles who have in a sense, become Jews. They've they've converted to Judaism, and yet they're still not allowed in. And God never said anything about separating the men and the women, but they've set up these separations in the temple to say, some people have more access to God than others. And he's saying, no, God is not a respecter of persons. He doesn't care how much money you have what your background is, what your nationality is. He says, don't you understand? It's already been prophesied in Isaiah. He's quoting from Isaiah here. Don't you understand? My house is supposed to be a house of prayer for all nations. That's the goal of it, that people from all over the world would be able to come and pray to God. And here's the other thing that's going on here is that he's attacking. By driving out the money changers, he's saying, look, you're acting like you, we have to manipulate God to get what we want. You've got to pay these exorbitant exchange rates in order to sacrifice, in order to get God to hear you, and you've got to do all of this stuff. But that's not God's desire. God's not desire. It's not for you to pay a bunch of money so God will finally hear you. You've turned and twisted the worship of God into a business, and a huge business, where you're stealing from people in order that they might think that God has heard them. And so, if you will, uh, kind of, my first point here is that Jesus is about the business of tossing tables as barriers to access. He's about the business of tossing tables He's, he's not just interested in kind of, okay, let's leave the status quo. No, he's saying this matters to how you perceive God, and this is matters to God about how you approach him. You just can't come at, you know, just any way you want. I get that. But at the same time, you can't teach that God is a respecter of persons in the process, nor can you teach that God hears those who have money and, and not those who don't. Larry Crabb puts it this way. The core problem is not that we are too passionate about bad things, but that we are not passionate enough about good things. Jesus is angry here. He's angry enough to stop the greatest festival of the year and shut the whole thing down in a sense because he's saying you're twisting who God is and how we approach him. And that is not okay. Jesus is not just in the business of tossing tables back then. He's in the business of tossing tables now. He gets into our lives and is not satisfied with the status quo when we think to ourselves, oh, God cares about me more because he gives me this, this, and he gives me that, and he gives me this. He's like, no, that's not why God cares for you. Or, I'm this type of person. I have this kind of status in society. God should listen to me. He's like, no. He's, God is in the business of tossing tables. Jesus is like, this is not how you approach God. How do I know He's in the uh, business of tossing tables? Because He's still doing it. Right? Last year at this time, there was no one in this auditorium at Easter, right? No one was here. As a pastor, it was slightly depressing. You say, why is COVID here? I can't give you all the reasons why, because I'm not God. But I do know he tossed our lives upside down, did he not? He made us think about all the ways we spend money to make our lives the way we want them to be. He, He made us realize that there is that COVID, in that sense, was no respecter of persons either, right? Didn't matter how much money you made. Whatever. It could touch anyone's life. Why? You say, why, why does he toss tables? Because he cares about you enough to not let you stay in your self-deception. Because we deceive ourselves. And we let others deceive us by, by pursuing and saying, well, this must be how I know God loves me. And we attach something, and it's because we have this, this family, or I have this background, or I have this. And just what is the thing that makes you think to yourself, God must love me besides Jesus? And we, we do this to ourselves. It's not that anyone else has to do it. We do it to ourselves. And Jesus is like, I'm not going to be satisfied. You need to know me. You need to know why I love you. You need to know who God is. And I'm not willing to just let you drift through life, watching your sports, pursuing your activities, doing whatever you please, and headed for death. Jesus cares too much about what is truly good, who God is and who we are, to let that happen. And maybe as you look at your life, you might think to yourself, yes, he has been tossing tables in my life the things that I thought kept me stable, the things that I thought made me good for the future, the things that I got would just help me live life and deal with the stresses and deal with the disappointments, those things are getting tossed in the air, they're getting turned over, they're getting driven out of my life, and I don't understand why. It could be that he wants you to know him, to know his love for you, his hope for you, You see, Jesus doesn't stop at tossing tables. It's a confrontation. And the next day, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and everyone else that's in charge in Jerusalem is coming at him in various ways saying, who are you to do these crazy things? You've already done it once, now you've done it again. What gives you the authority to do this? And ultimately he's saying, I'm the Messiah. I'm the promised one. And they don't like it, right? In fact, they don't like it enough that it's even from the first day here, they're plotting to kill him. They're plotting to get rid of this guy because they don't like it. They just lost a lot of money. But the crowds love it. It's, one, it's a spectacle. Wow, this guy just stopped Passover. That's crazy. Did you hear about this? And You can just imagine the stories that are filling Jerusalem. Not all of them true, But the crowds loved it because they realized this guy's taking on the establishment. This guy's taking on just the, the people who think they're in charge and are twisting things to make it hard to worship God. And that ended up G- having Jesus get killed. They couldn't stand for it. They were going to put it off. They're like, oh, we'll just wait till after Passover, and then we'll arrest him and kill him. But then Judas stepped forward, also because of money. Because he's like, look at all this money that's being wasted. I'm going to go get some money. And he betrays Jesus. And they take him up on it. And they kill him during Passover week. Ultimately at God's control, right? And so, Pastor Chris read Luke 20, 24. I, I want you to see here that Jesus emphasizes still this idea that there is access for all people. Look at Luke 24. The idea of giving access through the resurrection. Luke 24. He's appeared to two men, he's appeared to the women and they're uncertain of what these things mean. Verse 36 says, As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet, and while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it before them. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything about me, written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer, and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of, of, of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Do you get it there? He's saying, look, this isn't just for the Jews. This isn't just to satisfy the Jews' problem of access to God. This is giving everyone to all nations access to God, to, to, to know God, to know his love, to realize he's not a respecter of persons. Even if you're not a Jew, he's not going to be like, oh yeah, you've got a lot of money, you're okay. There's only one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And Jesus died on the cross and rose again so that he says here, specifically he says that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. That's why we're here 2,000 years later right year after year since christ arose the gospel has continued to go forth and yes it was slow initially in some ways but then it spread to antioch and then to rome and then is beyond the roman empire and ultimately across the globe so even today there are churches all around the world proclaiming you know what there is access to God it's not based on who you are or where you're from or how much money you have it's based on Jesus Christ and his resurrection on our behalf Peter puts it this way men of Israel hear these words Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in our midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. He's like, you killed him according to God's plan, but God raised him from the dead. And when they heard this in Acts chapter 2, it says they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And here's where Luke 24 immediately gets... Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. And have your sins forgiven, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you, and for your children, and for all who are afar off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And here, 3,000 people get saved. Why? Because... The access is not about how much money you have. It's not about what church you belong to. It's not about how much, you know, some place you, you can go and if you can make it to, to this place, then you're okay. It's about trusting in Jesus. And why, why does he need to turn those tables over? Because we just don't always believe that especially, I think, if you have money. Obviously, Jesus points that out, even that if you, if you have money, it's, it's, it's hard for you to come in uh, to the kingdom of heaven. Elon Musk is, you know, one of the richest men in the world, right? He was being interviewed about what he believed, and he's like, I'm not, sh- I'm not sure, but I think overall, when you die, you're dead. There's no going back. It's all there is. This guy has billions of dollars, reportedly, and yet, He doesn't have the greatest thing in the world, a hope of resurrection. That death is not all there is. That sin does not have to reign. That all the things that we think keep us away from God because we do things and we think things and we act on things and we say things that we're like, God would not be happy with that. I should not approach God with that. I should not show God what I just did there. Jesus is like, I'll take care of that. You have access to God. And because we live in 2021, we're not just told that we have access. In a sense, we are access. And I just want to point this out in point number three, if you're taking notes, being accessed by the temple. Being accessed by the temple. Notice notice what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. It says, "...so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit." It's not just that we get access. There's a sense in which we become access. We we become this temple. Paul is saying, hey, once you've trusted in Christ, you become the dwelling place of God, this temple. And one of the reasons Jesus tosses tables, I think, is because sometimes the church doesn't proclaim the idea that it's free, it's available to anyone, all, all, can be saved. We come up with false dichotomies, right? Maybe how much money you have, what skin color you have, what background you have, what nationality you have. And we come up with all these different things. And yet... He is saying, here, we, we should become the access to God. And how, do, how do we do that? Again, by, first of all, knowing God's love, right? It starts with, do you know that God loves you? Because you have to understand the access to God. Jesus has said, hey, it's not, it's not about how much money you can pay. <laughs> so you can have a sacrifice and God can hear you. It's not about that. It's supposed to be a house of prayer. The temple is supposed to be a house of prayer for all nations, And then he says, I'm the temple. You want to have access to God? It's through me. And he becomes both the temple and the lamb and the priest in order to give us access to God. So that I don't care if you go from here and you go to Ames or you head back to Texas or you have to go on a flight to Korea. Or for some reason, you need to go to London, England this week. You have access to God wherever you are. Because it's not about a place anymore. And it's not about a sacrifice anymore. It's about Jesus and what he has done for us. So if you're facing a hard thing, you don't have to be like, oh man, I better get to the temple and make a sacrifice and ask God what to do. You can right where you're at, whatever you're doing. You can go to God and say, God, I need help and he hears you. That's God's love for you. God loves you enough to make that happen through Jesus Christ. He, he gives you Jesus as a gift. Right? John three sixteen says it very clearly. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever... Sh- believes in him, should not perish but have everlasting life. You get it. It's because of God's love for you. Do, you. do you know the access you have to God is because he loves you, not because he's tired of you, or not because he just wishes you would stop messing up. And so he's going to give you access to him so that you would finally stop messing up and he wouldn't have to deal with your messes, right? right? Because sometimes, as a parent, you kind of feel that way sometimes. You're like, man, if my, my kids would just ask me a few questions, I could help them out, and I wouldn't have to deal with all the, the, the stuff that comes because they didn't ask me questions to start with. What's wrong with them? Why didn't they, Don't they understand I'm the fount of all wisdom? <laughs> that I can solve all problems? They just got to ask, right? No, God does it because he wants to love you. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to interact with you and know that you know him and he knows you. And when you know that love, then you get to share that love and you get to share that love just by saying, hey, can I pray for you? That's, when Paul talks about the church, the primary thing the first thing he says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, he says, first of all then, the primary thing that should happen in church then is I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. He's saying, hey, you, you want to be access? Pray. Pray for your neighbor. Pray for your, your governor. Pray for your, your president. Pray for countries around the world. Pray for the people that you, that you don't think like you. Pray for our world. Because if we're Christians, we, in a sense, we become access, not that we give access, but we, we're representatives, we're ambassadors for Christ. Saying, be reconciled to God. You can have access. It's free. It's unconditional. It just comes through faith. Can I pray for you? And one of the best things you can do is be praying for your neighbors and then ask how you can pray for them. Why? Because you're saying, I believe. When you, when you ask someone if you can pray for them, what, you, what you're really saying is, I believe God cares about your stuff enough that I'm willing to spend time on it for you. I think that's not always the message we send as Christians. I think sometimes the message we send is, if you shape up and show up to church, then God will care about your stuff. I think Jesus would toss a few tables at that idea. So, two questions I have. Do you have access to God? This is something that no one else can answer for you. Do you have access to God? It only comes through Jesus Christ, and it only comes as you personally trust in Jesus. Romans chapter 10 puts it this way. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, that he is God, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. He goes on to say a few verses later, for all, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so you, right here, Easter 2021, do you have access to God through Jesus? Have you asked Jesus to deliver you, to forgive your sins, and know that he loves you and has welcomed you into his family? And if you do have that access, are you being access? Are you offering to pray for your neighbors, your coworkers, the, the different people that are in your life? And we, we have a, 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 what, um, just an email address. We'll, we as staff would love to pray for your requests. We're, we've had a few come in this week, just at prayer at cbcaims.org. And a few people have emailed in even this week saying, pray for these things. And we're glad to pray for those things with you. Why? Because we want to be, if, if, if we're going to be the temple of God, we want to be praying We want to be active, praying for our neighbors, praying for those around us, seeking to to be a blessing to them and to let them know that God loves them enough that he wants to hear from them. That's what Jesus is saying when he's tossing the tables. He's saying to the Jews, you think you have it all and that everyone has to come, the access through you. And he's like, no. God loves everyone. He wants to hear from everyone if they'll come to him. So, are you being access? We're going to start a sermon series next week called Remember the Church. Remember why we're here. Remember what we're doing. Remember that it's, that we can be together doing it. So I'd encourage you to come back next week as we look at that. But the question is, are you being access? When you see your neighbor raking his lawn or working on his car, do you go over and say, hey, how's it going? And somewhere in that that conversation say, hey, can I pray for you? What's going on? I've never had anyone turn me down when I offered to pray for them. Why? Because you're saying, I care about you enough, and I believe God cares about you. So do you have access, and are you being access? The marvelous thing is Jesus became access for us. He died and he rose again so that we have the confidence to know, of knowing that no matter what happens, because he lives, we can face tomorrow because we have access to the God of the universe. Let's rejoice in that. Heavenly Father, thank you for Christ's resurrection. Thank you that it gives us access for everyone to come and receive forgiveness of sin and know that you hear us when we call on you. Help us, if we are believers, to be access, to be praying, to be known as those who pray for those around us, because you care about the world, and we should too. We pray that in your son's name, amen.